Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Well, g'day everyone. Great to be with you this morning. Let me uh, also uh, echo Brad's comments and say it's great to have you with us. Whether you're here in the room or joining us online, it is great everyone who joins us is welcome. And I want to extend an extra special welcome today to uh, some of our Gateway Beyond workers who have just returned from uh, the mission field for a little time. They've survived their two-week hotel quarantine in a very plush-looking place on the Gold Coast. But Ryan and Anna Cuthel are here today. Why don't you jump to your feet, guys? It's great to have you and Luca and Samuel and Benji with us. Really great to have you guys uh, here. For those that don't know, Ryan is a country director with uh, Mission Aviation Fellowship, uh, helping to coordinate people flying all around Africa for medical and mission work. And, uh, and Anna was just telling me that she does everything at iAfrica. She's known as Mrs. Anna. Uh, she doesn't have an official title, but it's Mrs. Anna because she just does everything. So uh, it's great to have you guys here and have you guys here for a little while. I think we're going to uh, have them in our services next Sunday as well. So please uh, feel free if you know these guys, uh, say good day to them and enjoy a, uh, a snag or a burger after the service uh, with them. Well, as Brad mentioned, we are jumping into a brand new series over this next seven weeks called Faith at Work. Faith at Work. And we're going to be working through the book of James and exploring what it means to put our faith into practice, what it means to put our faith into action in our our workplace, our, our communities, our neighborhoods, and wherever God has called us to be. See, faith isn't just something that we do on Sundays. Faith isn't just about coming to church and singing some songs, enjoying a cup of tea after the service and, uh, and hanging out. There's more to life than that, more to faith. That faith is something that impacts the whole of our lives. If you have faith in Jesus, it should impact every area of your life, not just here at church on a Sunday. And it should be obvious for all to see. Jesus actually says, you are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. You know, he, he calls us to bring out the God flavors, to shine brightly that the world may see. But how do we do that? How do we put our faith at work in our workplaces, in our communities? Well, James is going to show us. Over these next few weeks, we're going to explore what James has got to say. And it's a really practical book about how we put our faith into action. And James says some pretty confronting things. We're going to spend some time in one of those today. But he says, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. James doesn't pull any punches. He says, faith without works is dead. So faith that works is faith with works. And so in this series, we're going to be exploring some really practical instructions that God gives us through the book of James about how to live out our life of faith in our workplaces, in our homes, in our communities. And to help us to do that, we're going to hear some stories of people who are in our congregation and and how they live their faith out at work. And uh, today we've got the privilege of having one of our own, uh, Mr. Paul Kavanagh, come and join us as we are also sending him off into retirement. So would you welcome Paul and his wife, Anita, as they come up today? Paul has been at Gateway on staff for 19 years. That's incredible faithfulness. And uh, he's, uh, this is our first opportunity to actually say farewell. Yeah, very serious looking, Cap. Uh, this is our, our, our final opportunity to say farewell. There's been plenty of farewells over the last months uh, at men's ministry with our staff and all that kind of stuff. And Cav actually finished up a couple of weeks ago and has been enjoying uh, retirement for all of about uh, 12 days. Um, but uh, the reality has been that with lockdown and then some family situations, Cav uh, wasn't able to make it. So today is our opportunity to say thank you and to say farewell, Cav. And it's great to have you here too, Anita. Uh, we're behind every good man, there's an even better woman. And uh, we know that you've been down at Ormo for uh, quite a while now. And I'm sure you're looking forward to having this fella around a little bit more. But uh, Cav, you've been here at our, at our church as our, our executive pastor. 
uh, when you first came on board and you led us through alongside Tim, our senior pastor at the time, through some big changes as a church. And uh, you've also more recently been our men's pastor and uh, you've just done an incredible job leading and encouraging and mentoring and connecting uh, our men. But I wanna ask you today, after 19 years of faithfulness, You've done, uh, you've done the hard yards. Tell us, what are some of the, the, the things that you've discovered that have helped you to press on and persevere? I'll be very serious at the moment, but <laughs> along with my lovely wife and my family down the front row there, um, there's some truths and voices, well, and you as well, because I've been blessed to share your stories and to walk life with you, which is a privilege can't put words to, but the thoughts that echo in my brain that keep me going for those times is the reality that life is hard, but, but God is good. Mm. And then, uh, you know, flowing from that, which Tim's going to stretch out, but uh, is the words of St. Paul, isn't it? Um, he says, fight the good fight. You know, don't give up. Uh, finish the race that we're in and to keep the faith. That's the journey. That's a challenge and a real challenge for us all and for for you men out there who keep the faith as well is that we are better together. We are better as we fight for what's important and we're better as we sharpen one another. Mm. So that's Cav's final word, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> It has, been, it has been a lot of final words. It's been a little bit like the Johnny Farnham farewell tour with all the farewells you've had. Uh, I can come back. <laughs> but, uh, mate, I just want to take an opportunity as you head into retirement and as you travel around the, the country um, with your beautiful wife in a camper van that you're renovating, uh, I just want to take an opportunity to say it's been an absolute joy and privilege working alongside of you for a number of years. Uh, I remember when I first joined, um, I always was taken aback by your sense of humor. You're, you're very laid back, you're, you're very jovial. Um, I remember Cav called me Skinny Four Eyes for the first few while, a uh, little while when I was a, a youth pastor and uh, many times I thought about going to Work Care Australia and whatever, no, I didn't, it's all good. <laughs> now, we've got a great relationship, Paul and I, and, and you, have, you have sown significant wisdom into my life. Um, over the last uh, 10 years, or even longer than that, that I've been associated with you, Cav, um, you, have, you have just always wanted to invest and, and instruct, and I've really appreciated that personally. And I know uh, many of our men here have been incredibly blessed by the way that you lead, the way that you've connected people in. You've got a great heart for the ones, you know, those that are, that are not yet connected. You have a desire to bring them in, to celebrate them, to help them grow. And, uh, and, and we just love the passion that you have for, for, for blokes, whether they ride a bike or don't ride a bike, uh, but you do an exceptional job and you have done an exceptional job here in our church. We're really gonna miss you. Mate, I wanted to ask you, as you, as you kind of finish up, is there, there, there people you wanna thank or, or anything that you wanna say above what you said before? Not really, except, again, uh, we've all got a story, haven't we? If you're sitting here today and uh, you feel disconnected or, or lost, um, just turn to the person next to you and just share your story because God's created an amazing thing in family and that's what he's called us for and intimacy with him. So you are blessed, we are blessed together. So thank you for 19 years. <laughs> oh, that's great. Hey, we'd love to uh, pray with you guys, but I think we should also applaud this man for his incredible faithfulness over almost two full decades. Why don't we stand actually, jump to your feet. Give Paul a huge round of applause and his wife, Anita. Got a, a gift for you, Cav, some flowers for Anita. Why don't we pray? I encourage you just to stretch out a hand as we, uh, as we pray for Cav and Anita. Father God, we are so thankful to have had these incredible people in our lives. God, we thank you for Cav and just the way that you, uh, you called him here and his obedience to that call. Lord, thank you for the way that he's just been so faithful over the last uh, 20 years. And God, we, um, we just celebrate what you have done both in him and through him in that time. God, thank you that you've used him to, uh, to grow our church, to, to, to restructure and to set our, uh, our church up to be where it is today. Lord, you've used the gifts that he has given and the things that he's sown in to uh, leave an incredible legacy. God, we thank you for his heart for men and for the way that he has been an incredible shepherd. Lord, connecting people in, welcoming them to be part of community and encouraging them to live lives that follow Jesus brightly. 
God, we, uh, we want to pray a huge blessing on both Paul and Anita as they head into this new season of life. God, as they travel around the country, as they enjoy hanging out with grandkids, as they do whatever that you are calling them to do, Lord, we pray that they would know your peace. They'd know your presence and they know your continued guidance in their lives. We pray, Lord God, that you'd bless them and you'd encourage them in this new season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Welcome, welcome. Well done, well done. Thanks, Cav. Very cool. Very cool. Also, over the next uh, couple of few weeks, we're going to hear of uh, about another person who is journeying through uh, wrestling what it means to put their faith and into action at work. So check out the video for a little snippet. Yes, I don't know if you've had experiences like that. We certainly have around here. The old paper jam, people eating your food, critical errors on the computer. It's all fun and games. But uh, we're going we're gonna to be checking in with our friend a little bit more over the next few weeks and exploring how he is trying to put his faith into action. But uh, I reckon that, that's, a, that's a, a tough day at the office. That's a, a tough day at the office with all those things happening. But I reckon as we, uh, as we explore what James has to say, we have to remember that James, it, would have been, it just would have been tough being James. We, uh, we introduce, James introduced himself to us in this letter, and he says uh, to the Jewish Christians scattered across all the nations, he says, I am a servant of God of the, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the people who he wrote to, would know exactly who James was. But in our day, 2,000 years later, we have to do a little bit more digging to figure out who James is. And Bible scholars actually believe that this James was the same James, the brother of Jesus. So it would have been tough being James. I don't know if you have a brother, a big brother, but imagine Jesus being your big brother. You know, it's hard enough kind of growing up in the shadow of of an older sibling, but what about Jesus? Poor old James, no matter what he did, he would have never been able to do enough to keep up. You know, he comes home from school and says, hey, mom, I got an A on that Torah test. How good is that? And then Jesus comes home a little bit later and says, hey, mom, I healed the sick today. I cast out demons. And remember that wedding we went to last night? Try some of this. You know, poor old James would never have been able to, um, to get in front. You got to feel for poor James with Jesus as his brother. And then James, uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection, James became a significant leader in the early church in Jerusalem. And he actually led the Jerusalem Christians for 30 years. And in that time, being the leader of the fledgling church was a tough gig. Now, the Jews who followed Jesus were considered blasphemous by, or blasphemous by the establishment. So they were banished from the inner temple uh, in the courts of the temple and the, the societal and support structure that was typically around the, the Jewish economy and, and social structure. 
In Acts, we see Paul traveling extensively, asking the church, the Gentile church, those that haven't been brought, back, brought up in the, Jewish, uh, in the Jewish background, he was asking them for money, which could go back to the Jewish Christians to support them because they didn't have access to all the other support that a Jew would normally have because they were considered on the outside. And so the church was being persecuted and the church was being judged on the outside, but there were also internal challenges in the church. There was a conflict within the church, conflict between the poor and the wealthy, differences of opinion on how they should follow Jesus and what it meant to be a follower of the way. You know, the church was a community that faced a lot of adversity, and James was the one who had the joy of leading it. And so as he wrote to Jews across, or Jewish Christians across the known world, it's no surprise that he said some pretty strong things, some pretty challenging statements. And I guess it was uh, probably somewhat of a family trait, being Jesus' brother, because Jesus said some strong things as well. Uh, but James doesn't mince his words. So we're gonna explore some of the things that he says today. But right from the outset of this letter, he jumps straight into it. And we're gonna walk through the first few verses of James chapter one today. This is God's word through James. This is what it says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This broken, fallen world is a world full of pain and adversity and trial. You know, there's, there's, uh, we see the world is a world in pain. Right at the moment, there's, there's pain on a global scale. There's always pain on a global scale, but right now it's front and center. You know, over the last 18, 18 months, we've seen that pain ripple across the globe. Physical pain, emotional pain, economic pain. It's been incredibly tragic and damaging on, on so many levels. And then we experience pain and adversity on an individual scale as well. In our own lives, in our own workplaces and families, we face all sorts of adversity and trouble. James acknowledges this when he says, whenever you face trials of many kinds. He doesn't say if you face trials or on the odd occasion you might face a little bit of difficulty. He says when, whenever you face trials. And there's gonna be many kinds of those trials. We could go around this room and, and ask online in the chat, we won't. But we could go around and, and develop very quickly a very long list of the trials that we are facing, even if it's just from the last week. And many of us are going through, or, or ourselves, or have loved ones who are going through significant health challenges, either physical or mental. And many of us are facing different types of adversity at work, whether that be a, a hostile work environment, personality clashes, or, or unrealistic demands and timelines. Still other of us are, are walking through significant relational challenges. Our marriages aren't what they once were. Our, our, our kids have, have turned away and, and we, 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 feel, we might just feel isolated and alone. We're already juggling trials of many kinds. And then we lay over the top of that the complexities of COVID, the inability to travel to see loved ones and, and having to wear masks and the trials are everywhere that we turn. And I've got news for you this morning, but following Jesus doesn't make us immune from facing these trials. God never said following Jesus would be easy. In fact, the moment that you decide to put your trust in Jesus is probably when you expect trials to begin even more full on. If we are breathing, if we have a pulse, we should expect to face trials. We should see it coming. We should see it coming. Sometimes it's really obvious that trials are coming our way. Now, I studied uh, business and finance at university, and through my studies, I picked up a job, just a really entry-level uh, office job for some experience. And I, I helped out with, uh, with the accounts, and we had this new boss start. And it was pretty, it was pretty quick that, uh, to, to, I was pretty quick to discover that I could see some trials coming down the track. 
See, one of the things that I had to do was I, part of his package was that we would pay his personal mobile phone bill. And uh, I, I had the job of, of paying that and a bunch of other bills. And then I would give him the bill so that he could have it on file. This was before it was all on the internet. Anyway, he, uh, he took it, that bill, the first month. And he said, oh, thanks, Tim. And he pulled a file out, one of those manila folders, and he wrote on the top, personal phone. And he put the bill in the filing cabinet and put it away. Uh, the next month, I said, oh, here's the, the bill again. Same, same billing provider, same amount, all that sort of stuff. I said, oh, thanks, Tim, that's good. He took out another manila folder, and he wrote Telstra and put his bill in that, put it in the filing cabinet. Uh, I could see that there were trials coming because in the third month, I did exactly the same thing, and so did he. He took out yet another manila folder and wrote uh, mobile phone and put his uh, invoice in that. Now, we could see that there were going to be trials coming for not just myself, but this organization. But the reality is that we also face trials that we don't expect, things that come out of left field, things that surprise us. But in life, we should expect trials of many kinds. We should see it coming. And when we face these trials of many kinds, what does James say? He says we should get angry, frustrated, and disappointed, doesn't he? That's what ends up happening. You know, we, we get angry, things happen, we go and kick the cat, or, or we kind of fold our arms and just to, to say, oh, it's all fine, when it really isn't. Or we go and whinge and complain to anybody who will listen. But that's not how James encourages to respond to trials. You won't read that in your Bible. James says there's a different response. In the New Living Translation, James says, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Let me get that right. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. These are really challenging words. These are, these are James's words to us, and, and they're hard words to hear. Yet there is great wisdom in them. James is saying when it comes to pain, when it comes to difficulty, when it comes to adversity, we should see it coming and see it as an opportunity. He's saying that there's actually some good to be found in that pain and in that adversity when we reframe it through the right filter. And why would he say that? Why would he say that there is great opportunity for great joy in our pain? Well, he continues. He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Now, in other words, when your faith is tested, your perseverance has a chance to grow. Pain and adversity are an opportunity for joy because when our faith is tested, it's an opportunity to grow. See, when you test something, you discover what it's really made of. Testing enables us to evaluate something, to check something out, to figure out what it consists of. There's just a couple of examples of this. When I run a, a bath for my kids, I make sure I test the water before they get in to see if it's too hot or too cold. By testing it, I can make a decision. I, I understand how, how warm or how cold the water is. If you're cooking something, perhaps you'll test a little spoonful to, to see whether it needs more salt or pepper. Or a doctor can take a sample of your blood and test it to learn something about your health. In the same way, the trials and the challenges that we face, the ones that James talks about, help us to discover what our faith is made of. You know, when we get tested, we discover what our faith is made of. They show us the depth of our confidence in God. They help us discover what we really believe about Him. See, the pain that we experience will reveal our priorities. When we're faced with an ethical dilemma at work, will we trust God's promise of provision, or, or will we dishonestly take matters into our own hands? Or when we hear the diagnosis isn't good, will we fall in a heap, or will we and get angry at God, or will we believe in his power to heal, either in this life or the next? Or when a colleague slanders us for our beliefs, will we try to slink away quietly and avoid them for the rest of the time we work there, or do we actually continue to express our love and compassion whichever way we can? See, our pain will reveal our priorities. In the crucible that is the testing of our faith, we have an opportunity to discover something about our faith and discover something about our God. 
And that is a good thing. And God doesn't just want us to know about something about ourselves. He wants to grow something within us as well. That God wants to use the difficulties and challenges of our daily life to work and to, uh, to persevere and to mature our faith. My, my wife Lauren and I were working uh, for a Christian nonprofit in New York. God used many difficulties and challenges to grow my faith. Uh, we talk, you've probably heard us talk about some of the things that we did with the, the young women to, to share Christ's love with them. But I also had a role in the organization, in the administration. And uh, we had a season, uh, a small little season, where for a couple of months, we had some contracts that didn't come through, and there was a really big challenge of meeting payroll every time it came around. There was a season where we just had to trust God for enough uh, funds in our bank account to meet payroll. It was a huge test. And every second week, and they don't call them fortnights in the States for whatever reason, I would say fortnight, and they just look at me and go, what? Every second week when payroll was run, as in the lead up to that, my boss and I, we would, we would take time out of the office. We'd typically go for a drive down to, the, down to the beach and just spend some time crying out to God and asking for him to meet the gap. I've seen God provide for me in, in, uh, in my personal life, but this was different. This is the livelihood of, of a number of employees. This was thousands of dollars. Now we're crying out to God in these testing times, saying, God, will you come through? And every single time, God would provide without fail. God would bring in a, a donation or a check would clear just at the right time. And we, over that, that period of time, we never missed a pay run. God was so good and it felt like he was riding each and every bump with us. He's incredibly faithful and now that organization is, is back to health and expanding across the, the country. But every trial and temptation that we face is an opportunity for us to grow closer with Jesus and for him to do work in the depth of our faith. And this is why James continues and he says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When you're going through trials, when you're facing difficulties, James says you've got to see it through. If you've seen God starting to work as your faith has been tested, don't stop it by jumping out early, by bailing out. James is saying press on, keep going, keep pushing. And James says if we do that, our perseverance will strengthen our faith. We've got to see it through. The Bible scholar N.T. Wright says those who follow the Messiah and not simply supposed to survive. They are supposed to count, to make a difference in the world, whether through the quiet daily witness of a faithful and gentle life, or the chance given to some to speak and act in a way which reveals the gospel to many others. For all of that, we need to become strong and to face up to the challenge. We need to press on. We need to see it through. Over the last few weeks, I've been watching uh, bits and pieces of the Tour de France. I'm not, a, I'm not a fanatic. I haven't stayed up till the wee hours of the morning watching every single stage, but I've appreciated seeing bits and pieces of the race. For those of you who might not know, the, the Tour de France is the world's most famous and difficult road race. It's not just a, a casual bike ride through the French countryside. It's three weeks of grueling torture. Now, these riders are racing, on average, 170, 180 kilometers a day, for 19 days. Uh, they're riding up ridiculously steep mountains. They're, they're, they're traveling at high speed through winding village streets. And they're pedaling through open fields with the headwinds just kind of blowing straight into them. And they do it all for the glory and reward of having completed the race. And I've been inspired by their perseverance. They just don't give up. There's been a couple of withdrawals here and there due to really significant accidents or, or illness, but there's so much determination within these riders to finish the race. Uh, a few nights ago, I was watching um, one of the stages and a, and a rider was involved in a crash. He came off his bike and, and was dragged along the ground by his momentum for a while. And this, this crash ended up grazing his entire body. He's riding, he's getting back on his bike and he's riding along. You can just see blood pouring down his arm. His bike shorts have had a massive hole ripped out of them, and, and underneath you can see his bare flesh being just gashed by the gravel, and the blood was pouring down his leg. But he pressed on. He persevered. 
He didn't even stop for medical attention. The next shot was him riding alongside the the medical car and the doctor leaning out the window, bandaging his wound while he's still riding along. You know, it was extraordinary. And then he, uh, they finish doing that, and then he kind of gets, gets back up to speed, waves to the camera, and joins the rest of the peloton. It was extraordinary perseverance. Oh, I, just, uh, I was just super inspired by that. And he, he did it all that he could ra- race this race alongside of his team and, and, and complete the race marked out for him. Jesus encourages us to have the same attitude to not bail out in the midst of difficulty, but to press on in spite of the pain and to keep pushing through because there is something good to come out of it all. See, pain may reveal our priorities, but perseverance strengthens our faith. We need to see it through. And when we see it through and we resist that temptation to give in, we will discover that God is with us and he's been working within us the whole time. Our reward isn't completing a bike race. It is being made complete in Christ, growing to full maturity in him, becoming more like Jesus as he shapes us and molds us and refines us through the fire of our trials. I want to ask you this morning, what if God doesn't want to take you out of that hostile work environment, but he actually wants to use you as a force for good and as a witness to your co-workers? But what if he's using that, that health challenge as a way to draw you closer to himself? What if he wants to use that unresolved conflict as a conversation starter and as a, something that might instigate some growth rather than something to avoid? See, often when there's tension and pain and trial in our lives, that's where God is working the most. But we might want to have it removed but the thing, that we wanna, the thing that we want removed is the thing that God actually wants to use. And he calls us to persevere, to press on, to see it through. And James knows how challenging this is. He's speaking from experience here. He watched the difficulties that his brother Jesus had to go through as he persevered on his journey towards the cross. Jesus himself faced the temptation to throw in the towel. Yet he saw it through. And James encourages us and shows us how to do the same. He says in verse five, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. James knows how hard it is to go through trials of many kinds. It would have been tough being James. And he knows that we can rarely do it on our own, that we need God's wisdom and God's help to be able to resist temptation. And James also knows that our gracious and generous and loving God is quick to give wisdom to those who ask for it. Uh, this, this passage here echoes what Paul said to the church at Philippi. Speaking on a similar theme, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, God's peace and wisdom are inextricably linked. They're like two sides of the same coin. What both Paul and James are saying in these passages is that when we're confronted by challenging situations, if we bring those to God, if we ask him, he will give us his peace and his wisdom. As we cultivate God's wisdom, he builds our resilience and our anxiety gets dialed down. There are many ways that we can seek God's wisdom. We can bury ourselves in God's word, find that his wisdom is speaking to us in all sorts of situations. As we open it up each day and as we read, we just find God's word speaking into our life. And here over the next few weeks, we're going to be discovering that James is full of this practical wisdom. Sometimes we need to open up to others and and turn to other people, other godly people who can give us wisdom and advice and counsel, people who have been there and done that, people who have seen God move and can share those stories with us. That's why being part of a life group is so important. That's what Brad said and what Cav said, that we we aren't designed to do life alone. We're called to do life together. 
And I'd love to encourage you if you are not yet in a life group or maybe your life group came to an end and you're waiting to start a new one. There's some people today who would love to help you. Out in our foyer, you can go and connect with, uh, with some of our team and they'd love to connect you with other people who are looking to be part of a life group and just enjoy getting to know each other over some food after the service. I just want to encourage you to, uh, to, to check that out. If you're not part of a life group, why not take a step and explore what God might be wanting to do when you do life together with others. And personally, a third way to, to really lean into God's wisdom is to do exactly what Paul talks about and, and just bring your requests to God in prayer. I find myself doing this uh, a fair bit, just going for a prayer walk. In, in, uh, in my world, in my jobs where I've had frustrations or I've just hit something and I'm not sure what to do with, I just push away from my desk and I go for a walk in, in, in the outdoors, in God's creation. And I just go for a prayer walk and just say, God, I don't know what to do here. I know you are with me. Would you guide me? Would you give me your insight? And I just bring my situation to God. Over the last few weeks, I've done that multiple times. Over the last years, I've done that countless times. But even just recently, I've done it on multiple occasions. For many of us, this COVID season has been a huge challenge, a roller coaster, as we wait on every word of the daily press conference. Like any organization, for us as a church, there's been all sorts of complex rules to decipher and abide by, expectations that seem to be frequently changing, and, and it's not always simple and clear exactly what regulation applies where. Our staff team, and I'm sure you were as well, were looking forward to a Sunday without masks. And on Thursday, when we heard the things had changed for this weekend, I, I just felt like exactly that guy in the video. <laughs> But as I went and had a bit of a prayer walk, as I brought it to God, as I sought him for his wisdom and maybe a little bit of his forgiveness, I was overcome by a sense of peace about what this weekend had in store and a deep thankfulness as well that we're still able to gather here in Queensland. And so when we seek God's wisdom, we need to trust that he will answer us. Know that he is a good God who gives good gifts to his children. And approach that. Approach him with an attitude of thankfulness. And when you find yourself in a difficult spot, give thanks to God for what he will do. Anticipate his goodness. Trust his faithfulness. God wants to grow you through the trials that you are facing. So give thanks to God for what he is going to do, even if you don't see it yet. When it comes to facing trials of many kinds, we're encouraged to see it coming, to see it through, and to give thanks to God for what he will do. It's all good in theory, though. It's all good in theory. How do we actually make this work in, in our life? What does it look like to actually live this out? Well, there's a great example in the life of Paul in Acts chapter 27. It's a fascinating story, and I encourage you to read it. But it seems that everywhere that Paul went, he found himself in trouble for the gospel. On his final return to Jerusalem, it seems that he was uh, causing a disturbance amongst himself and the Jewish leaders, and he was arrested. But as a Roman citizen, Paul was permitted to appeal to Caesar. And so the Roman soldiers ended up taking him on a journey and transporting him to Rome. They put him in a, in a prison boat. They locked him away with a couple of hundred other people. They loaded the boat with food and they set sail for Rome, stopping at a bunch of ports along the way. These days we'd call it a cruise. <laughs> but the reality is that it was no cruise for Paul. Paul had this sense that it was not going to be an ordinary journey. There was going to be pain and trial on this journey to come. By the, time, by the time that this boat got to Crete, the seasons were changing and the crossing to Rome would be really dangerous in this small little boat. And Paul could see it coming. He could see it coming. As we read the story in Acts, Paul warns the people he's getting on this boat. He says, I can see that our voyage is gonna be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our lives also. But despite Paul's warning, he was only a lowly prisoner after all. The soldiers and the captain decided to set sail. As they left Crete, they get caught up in this huge storm. For days, the storm raged. 
They didn't see the blue sky and they didn't see the night stars for many days. The boat was pitching and rolling and people feared for their lives. They almost threw literally everything overboard to try and lighten the load. You can read it for yourself in Acts 27. But Paul knew that they had to see it through. Once again, he stands up and he says, I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the Lord to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. Paul encouraged everyone he was with to see it through. And now we're not really sure why, we're not really told why Paul did that, why everybody on board listened to Paul. But the reality is that Paul's faith that God was at work in this situation was a strong testimony to everyone else on that ship. The way that Paul responded to this adversity was a testimony to God's goodness. And for two whole weeks, this boat was pummeled across the sea. The crew hardly ate a thing. And finally, they come close to land and they decide to make a dash for it. They don't recognize what land it is, but they see land and they decide to make it. Paul instructs them by this time, Paul's become their leader. Paul instructs them to eat their last food. And as they ate, Paul made sure that he gave thanks to God for what he would do. Then as daylight comes, they got the boat as close to land as they could. And when it got stuck on a sandbar, everyone abandoned ship. All 276 people jumped overboard and swam to shore. And the book of Acts tells us that the soldiers had planned to kill the prisoners, prevent any of them swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and he kept them from carrying out their plan. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Paul saw it coming. He saw it through and he gave thanks to God what he would do. And what an incredible testimony to all of those on board. As everyone was stressing about the storm, losing their heads and, and fearing the worst, Paul's faith in God stood out brightly. Paul's faith made an impact on the centurion, and I'm sure it impacted many others as well. See, how we trust God in testing times is a testimony to those around us of God's faithfulness. When we allow God to work within us, whenever we go through trials of many kinds, those around us see our faith at work. Our perseverance is a testimony to others. The things that test us enable us, if we trust God, to be a testimony to those in our workplace, to those in our community, to those in our family. When we allow God to work within us when we go through trials of many kinds. Those around us see our faith at work. As we close today, I'd love to just provide an opportunity for you to respond. Maybe you find yourself here this morning in the the midst of struggle. You're facing trials of many kinds, and I would love to pray for you this morning. I want to provide you with an opportunity just to ask God for wisdom, Ask God for His strength to persevere through the test that is in front of you. And pray that God would give you strength to see it through. That God would help you to trust Him through what He is going to do. That you would know His presence in the midst of the trial. Maybe like Paul, you're all at sea right now. You're being tossed around by a storm and you just need God's touch. You're navigating through these difficulties at at work and there's just uncertainty going on. Or maybe in your family life, just not too sure how things are gonna pan out. Or the health troubles in you you and your loved one just seem insurmountable. I'm not gonna tell you today that God's gonna make it all go away. But He is gonna be right alongside you. He is gonna walk with you through every bump, through every wave. He wants you to know that He is right with you in the fight and that through all of this, there will be some good to come of it all. 
And we're gonna sing a, a verse together that is, uh, that is just a prayer. Could be a prayer for you right now. If you're in the midst of trial, if you need God's touch right now, you need His strength and His wisdom to see it through. I wanna invite you to stand as we sing this, uh, this song. Make it a prayer today. It simply says, God, I look to you. Give me vision, give me wisdom. I don't know about you, but that's my prayer. I've had a challenging couple of weeks personally, a few things with all this COVID stuff, a few things in my own life. I've just had to call out to God and say, God, I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your vision. And I'm sure there's many of us in this room who are exactly the same. So as we sing this song, I'd love to invite you to stand with me and say, God, this is my prayer. Whatever trial, whatever difficulty you face yourself in, allow this song, the words of this song, to be a prayer, be a request that we would look to God. If that's you, I want to invite you to stand as we just sing this song, and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer together. difficulties of all different kinds. But God, through it all, we would look to you. Jesus, we know that you walk with us, that you are the one who actually wants to do some good in this mess that we find ourselves in. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to see what's coming. I pray that you would help us to see it through. And God, I pray that we would be able to come to the other side giving thanks for what you have done. Jesus, I pray for each and every person of us, Lord, that we would know that we were not alone. That we know that we're not alone today. So many of us are going through these challenges, but we are not alone spiritually. God, you walk alongside of us. You are the one who is leading us by the hand through these challenges. Lord, may we know your presence. May we know your answers in our times of questions. Lord, we ask that you would you would refine us. You would build that perseverance. You would strengthen that faith within us as we press on and press through what is in store. And God, may our resilience, may the way that we navigate the trials of this life be a testimony to those around us. May we be an encouragement to those around us. May our response point to you, Jesus, that your name would be glorified. God, I pray a blessing on each and every person here this morning and in life. God, I pray that we would know your presence. Even in the midst of difficulty, we would know your peace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to continue to sing this song together. Let's let it be a, a worship moment for you, just declaring to God that He is our strength. He is our shield. Let's uh, let's sing this with gusto and declare His goodness. This morning. I will love you.
encourage you, if you're here in the room and you would like some prayer, some individual prayer, our prayer team, our pastors would love to stand with you and pray. If you're with us online, they'd love to pray with you in the chat. Just hit that live prayer button and someone would love to pray with you right now. I want to encourage you to, uh, to not do this alone, to share this journey with others, to, to, to walk this journey of faith, to persevere with others. You can do that by uh, checking in at our Life Group desk on the way out. We'd love to connect you with some people this morning to uh, explore potentially doing a Life Group. And hang around. We've got plenty of tables and chairs out there so you can grab a seat and uh, enjoy uh, some food from Flavors of Beyond. Uh, get a cupcake, get a sausage, get a burger. Enjoy each other's uh, company and some community today. And we look forward to seeing with you prayerfully without masks next Sunday. God bless you guys and have a good one. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.